I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball. Football and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Welcome, everybody. Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown, and finally, for the first time in a long time, I'll be joined by my co-host, Aaron Gershon. We're kind of back together. Lots to talk about today. Um, December, what is today? The Help me 22nd. out. 22nd. 22nd. Second, second day Sunday. of winter. I didn't even realize winter began, so. <laughs> yeah, winter's here. Um, so tonight's Sunday night, so everybody's kind of had a chance, Aaron, to digest the, the loss and stuff to Ohio State and Las Vegas, but I'm sure we'll get into all that, but. First off, welcome back, man. Good to have you know us two back on together. Yeah, it's about time, right? It's been about a month. Uh, we let's see, went home for Thanksgiving, caught the flu that turned into pneumonia, and that was that. And then um, I think last week you had uh, the interview that was really, really awesome. If our listeners um, haven't checked it out, just the guy with the I mean, as knowledgeable as it gets. And then here we are, finally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely good to be back together. So I have a feeling, I mean, you've had, unfortunately, quite a few negatives. So I'll let you start it off with the In My Feelings segment. So uh, it's been a while, so you got a, a ways to go back. But uh, what's something that pissed you off and, and made you feel good lately? Yeah, uh, I guess negative, I'll, I'm good. I'm healthy, finally, so I'll stay away from the illness. I'd say negative was uh, I'll stay sports, but not Kentucky. The Giants today, I needed them. The, probably the, one of the first times in my life I genuinely cheered against them, and then they won because I – Really wanted Chase Young out of Ohio State wearing blue next year. Um, for my Giants, that will not happen now that they lost to Washington, who secured the second pick today. So not only will he not be on my team, but he'll be uh, playing my team twice a year. So not too happy about that. Um, happy-wise, though, right now, finally got home. I'll have over a week here, and then two days in Charlotte, come back here for a little bit, and then back to Lexington. So good to just get a few days away um, from school and uh, all the covering and work and stuff. And it's good to be home with the family for a little bit. So that's my good news. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Definitely good to have you back. Um, mine are pretty simple. I guess I'll go the easy one layup today. it be in December 22nd. <laughs> Holidays are in the air. So I had a chance to spend some time with family today, getting all the kids gifts ready. So i um, looking forward to that. Just a good holiday season. I always feel blessed the rest of the time. Did the baby start recognizing you again? Yes, yeah, so did I shave my beard off. Yeah, man, I was gone. I guess that'll be my negative, I guess, and I'll spin it back into the positive because I'm home now. But uh, So, you know, I lived in Florida for a long time. My daughter is 12. She couldn't really be gone. She didn't want to miss basketball or school. 
So my wife went to Florida Saturday to Wednesday, and then I went Wednesday to Saturday. So we, like, missed each other. So it was a long time away. So I was glad to be home, shave my beard. The kids were confused. But all's good <laughs> on that front. Um, other than kind of abysmal basketball play, yeah. um, it's good to be home and excited for the holiday week. Absolutely. it's a Now that it's actually holiday week, it's a good time of year. I always joke and say it's not the most wonderful time of the year because of all the illnesses stuff and going around. But this week really is a great time. Yeah, lots to do. Definitely extra work and stuff. But before we get in, Aaron, because I figure by the time all of our listeners have had a chance to listen to this, they're going to have time to kind of digest and unpack everything that happened in Vegas and kind of form their own opinion. So we'll have a chance to do the same for sure. But I'd like to kind of pick up on where the other podcast left off, um, recap the high school basketball stuff and talk a little bit about what we have coming in next year, because yeah. I'm sure you've been feeling it, Aaron, but the BBN was fired up today and really, you know, I feel like now they've all kind of united on this recruit more skill instead of athletes and get yep. some, you know, specifically shooting in here. Would you agree? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Nate Sestino a lot. Good big man and all that. He should not be the team's go-to shooter. So uh, they definitely need to get some guys who can put up shots next year. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little worried about that, too. I mean, Nate making five threes, if you know, we're going to rely on that. That's definitely fool's goal. But it's good to yeah. see him back and contributing. And so anyway, I was in Fort Myers this week for the City of Palms. The championship's actually on tomorrow night. But I got a chance to see everybody play, including uh, Cameron Fletcher a couple times going to Kentucky. So right now, Aaron, I think Rivals and 24-7 Sports have him ranked somewhere around like 40th in the yeah. nation or something. That's correct. Yeah, he's in tomorrow. the 40s. Let's see. You know, my impression, Aaron, we text back and forth a little bit. So I've not had a chance to see him play probably five times, maybe six times. And kind of always the same thing, man. I was really hoping to see more from him this time. Um, he takes a lot of plays off and stuff, but has all the tools. I mean, he's a big, strong wing, constant highlight. So everybody's always there filming his games because he can really rise up and have a spectacular play. But long way to go for him. And he's definitely not going to come in and provide any consistent shooting. So far as he goes, I think uh, it looks like a project at this point. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a, obviously he still has most of his senior season to play, but he kind of reminds me prospect-wise and thighs-wise a little bit of Keon Brooks, where he's kind of, he's got all the potential in the world, but he's not a finished project. I think Brooks has probably even played, he's been up and down, but the games he's been on, he's been, you know, he's been really good. I think he had 15, was it? Against was it Georgia Tech? One of those games he had a fifteen point night, so he has all the potential. And that's the I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong since you just saw him in person. But when I'm kind of looking at a comparison from this year's team, that would be who I'd lean to. Yeah, and this year's team, I would agree. I think it's a you know super far off. He's definitely a lot smoother. I <laughs> think at this phase in his game than, than Keon, but. Definitely needs to work on playing a little bit harder, I think. And, you know, that'll come. This is still high school. I think him getting in Division One shape is really going to change up his game a lot. But he he's also not, you know, kind of throw the, the guy the ball and he's going to be able to, you know, make two and three moves to get to the basket and stuff like that, which is, I think, what Kentucky fans are kind of craving right now. But the good news is, so I talked to a ton of people, Aaron, while I was there. and Just good, good sources, man, like, these are the people that they travel to these high school events nonstop. They've seen most all of these top-rated players play yeah. since they were freshmen in high school. So, it's you know, they beat. have a, a long-developed opinion. Right. Right. It's like they're beat so anyway, pretty much. Exactly, yeah. So just overwhelming feedback. I would say that I heard a lot of good stuff, which I'll share, but 
by far the best feedback and the most specifics and just guarantees were about BJ Boston. Like everybody I talked to, guys from Slam, Ball is Life, um, Overtime, like all those type guys that are there all the time raving about B.J. Boston. And I kept proposing those questions to him, too. Like, man, Kentucky really needs more, you know, skill, not just these athletic wings and people that kind of rely on others to put them in position to score. And, um, you know, they mentioned the three guys, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, and Devin Askew, all as being that way. Um, Devin Askew, knockdown shooter. And um, they were just adamant, Aaron, that Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston are going to bring that kind of skill to the offensive end for Kentucky. They need it. <laughs> That's really good to hear. And I've heard the same about, especially Terrence Clark. He seems he's obviously the fourth-rated player in the country. He seems to be a special talent. And you know, I think this year the Achilles' heel for Kentucky and something I kind of went back and looked at players on every roster. This is really the first year since I guess the second half of the thirteen season when you didn't have Noel, where there what it doesn't seem at least right now that Kentucky is a guy they can go to and say, all right we got to put this game away. Let's go. And Terrence Clark seems to be a guy next year who could be that for them. I mean, last year, I think you could rely on both Hero and Washington to put a game away. Knox at times two years ago could really put a game away. Obviously, the West Virginia game um, is an example of that. The year before that, Fox and Monk, uh, Murray. I mean, I can go on and on. And right now, Kentucky doesn't have that right now. So I think Clark and maybe even Boston could be that guy next year. Yeah, that's the takeaways that I had from just talking to all these guys. So that was really good. And even also got um, I talked to a guy, I think that was um John from Slam, who I'm really going to try to have on. He's awesome and kind of is like the director of these events when he takes teams, you know, to film guys and stuff like that. So he was really knowledgeable. And he talked to me a lot about Lance Ware and said that he saw him at the Peach Jam and just his trajectory of improvement, like his ceiling is just so high. And he's like just kind of just starting on this path of like becoming an elite player. So he was somebody that um he was really high on as well as far as, you know, over the next year how good he could get. So that's encouraging, too, because he's, you know, somewhat a front court guy, even though I think his um, ball handling ability and kind of ways he can make plays right. on the perimeter are underrated, too. But exciting to hear that about really all the guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. And <laughs> given, I mean, we'll get dive into this year's team, but given what's going on right now, that's very exciting um, to see that they have guys kind of, really everywhere on the court that could um, be big-time players. I still think if they're going to add someone else next year, it's definitely got to be in the front court. But the way things are going, you're going to have a – it's going to be really interesting next year's roster because, right, you have six guys signed, and out of the guys on this year's roster, maybe two are locked to be NBA picks right now, uh, Higgins and Maxi. Other than that, uh, I don't know. So really, really interesting. Yeah, this is a conversation for another time, but I feel like um, I'm getting to that point with Tyrese Maxey where he might end up developing into like a textbook case of come back and get yourself in the lottery, um, even yeah. though those talented guards are coming in. But I don't know. Anyway, that's something we can break yeah. down as the season. That's a, yeah, we'll definitely have to because I think I think if he becomes consistent with the shot, he's a lottery pick right now because he does so many things well. But the shot is, uh, I guess you could say, inconsistent to say the least. Yep, and then just to kind of wrap up the City of Palms and Fort Myers, um, so like I said, championships going on tomorrow night, but I got a chance to see everybody. And man, I know if you follow me on social media, um, at Big Blue Drew thirty three, um, I was just raving about Paolo Ban um, Banchero. He's that yeah. dude is the real. 
he's just he's a monster. I don't know he's why I was huge. thinking more like six or something, but 250 pounds. I mean, he carries it well. He's patient in the post, passes well. His team didn't fare that well, but that tournament's elite. So I think they they won one, lost two. Um, but you know, he had a chance to play some against the, the best competition in the country. He played against R.J. Davis going to North Carolina, whose teammates with A.J. Griffin going to Duke. So, but he's a stud, man. If there's one player that Kentucky should just be really going after and trying to land over the next season or so, it's him. And it doesn't seem like he's going to reclass. So, like, RIP to high school basketball next year because he is just going to be a man child. And he's a point guard at that height. Is that right? Uh, no, I would say he is. I mean, is he's definitely a power forward. forward. I know he brings the ball up. Too, yeah, he's, right? he's definitely, I would label him as a power forward. I mean, his yeah. jump shot's decent. He could use a little work. Um, he can still make him from outside, but he he definitely can grab the ball and take it yeah. full court. You know, you know who he, rem- he almost court. reminds me yeah. of a Ben Simmons. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely develop into a type of player like that. I mean, his his ball handling ability is not there yet, but yeah, that's not right. a I guess a terrible comparison. Other than I mean, he's going to be like LeBron stature. <laughs> I mean, he he's a monster. He really is. And you can tell he's so young that his body's going to fill out, but he's competitive. Yeah. So. By far, I walked away from him just being like, wow, he, he's the guy yeah. that we want to get. So keep an eye on that recruitment well, because regardless uh, of what class, it'll be important for whoever gets him. Yeah, hopefully Kentucky hasn't really had success with Washington kids, so hopefully they can steal one. I see the crystal ball has eight projections in all for the Huskies, and the lead expert has my last name. So that's interesting, too. <laughs> oh, that is interesting. I don't see but that. Yeah, yeah. At this point, it seems like he's probably staying in 2021, which is crazy to me when I see him. But that is, um, yeah. I have little other recruiting tidbits from that because there was tons of under um, younger kids, like sophomores and stuff in 2022 that I think will be up and coming and Kentucky will get in on. But um, look up Hoop Diamonds, too, if you don't. We're going to have um, the founder of Hoop Diamonds on really good. or He's really good, um, good friend of mine, and he has crazy amount of followers, and he's definitely like boots on the ground seeing all of these kids. So. We'll talk to him. He told me he's already seen all the Kentucky kids, you know, play a ton of time. So we'll get some more recruiting stuff as it goes on. But like I said, Aaron, I feel like Sunday night, by this point, you know, people are going to be listening this Monday, Tuesday. They've probably had their chance to, you know, hear all the talking heads about the Ohio State game and stuff. But, I mean, what were your thoughts, Aaron? Obviously, Kentucky goes 0-2 in Vegas. Um, I thought they looked okay yesterday, to be honest. Yeah. But when you couple them with the loss to Utah, it's, it's tough for people to swallow. So. Um, what was your takeaway? How did you feel yesterday about 8 o'clock compared to everyone else? Yeah, I mean, definitely much better than I did after, what was it, one thirty a.m. to Wednesday sure, morning yeah. <laughs> or Fair. Thursday morning by that point. Um, obviously, I think uh, the Utah, and I don't know if you saw what Utah did against number 20 San Diego State. That makes that loss even worse. Um, yeah, Utah yeah. getting Never absolutely heard. demolished, but. Regardless, uh, just looking at yesterday's game, I thought, yeah, they absolutely played a hell of a lot better. I thought it was really a simple case of, I didn't think it was a lack of effort, or I think it was two things. It was, I mean, yeah, they hit seven threes, but I thought they were just jacking them up too much. I thought, like Calipari said after the game, it was too much me, me, me. They got to learn how to pass because they passed in the first half, and what, they went into half down four, down two, something like that, something really close. So. I think that some of the shot selection was just ugly, especially when they weren't falling. But I thought for the most part, they fought really hard. I thought that um, Nate obviously was a godsend 
Um, I thought Higgins did a lot of good things, especially on the defensive end. Eight assists is a good number there, so pretty good. Um, Nick was terrible. That was the I think that's what killed him. Nick just had a terrible game, couldn't stay on the floor, and that's against a team like Ohio State. You're not going to beat them because that Hessen kid is that his name? He's a I know oh, he didn't Wesson. have Wesson. He's, he's a city of Palms alumni too. I saw him play when he was young yeah. and. And, uh, dude, his body transformation, it was oh. just insane. In high school, he was just, you know, borderline obese. And, right. I mean, now to see how much he's improved. And he actually only scored four points last night. I saw that earlier when I was writing yeah. something. Um, it surprised me because it seemed like he impacted the game yeah, That's what lot. I was going to say. I think his right. presence just totally impacted the game. It wasn't necessarily him lighting right. up the scoreboard. Right. No one for Ohio State lit up the scoreboard. They had a team effort if you look at the – I'm pretty sure their lead scorer was Carton, and he had 13. So it's not. Well, like that is crazy. That is wild talk. There's leading scores yesterday. So Weston only had three. I remember that deep three yeah. he hit. So that was the only point. And it was their Young. first. I think it was like their first bucket. Oh, all right. Maybe I, I think I'm looking at the wrong one. He, I didn't realize he has a brother. Well, how did I miss that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're brothers. That's right. There are brothers on that team. So, yeah, yeah, the starter, I think I knew, I think he, he still didn't have, let's see, he had 10. So it's not like he went off and had a double-double. I mean, he didn't, he didn't even have a double-double. But his presence, Kentucky's just not going to beat teams if they can't um, have their way in the paint. And in, in order for them to have their way in the paint, they need Nick. And they need Nick at least 80% of his best. And he couldn't, I mean, he had two fouls before he can even sit down on the couch to turn the volume up. And then in the, he comes back out for the second half and he fouls, gets picked up number three almost immediately. So he was just only got to play 12 minutes. That tells you all you need to know. Uh, Whitney, yeah. Whitney as well. I mean, up and down, only played 10 minutes in the starting lineup. So it, it was uh, those guys really killed him. Juzang, I thought, did some decent things defensively. His offensive game is Futured right now though and um he also did miss an assignment late in the game so and Quigley the last two games has not been good either so outside of Ashton and some of the plays Maxi made and uh Nate obviously it, it was it was just not great <laughs> yeah so yesterday Richards Montgomery and Brooks combined for four points and six rebounds the entire yeah. game the three then they played a combined let's see about 32 minutes, I guess. So just yeah. terrible, um, terrible front court performance. Terrible. It continues to be a trend with Nick Richards whenever he faces a good big man, like we were just talking about with Caleb Wesson. Caleb Wesson, he just can't get it together. And, you know, that one moving screen that was caught on him was kind of bad, was bad. Oh, yeah. But I'm telling you, a couple plays before that, I swear, I remember shouting at the TV, he did have a moving screen because I was like, I felt lucky that he didn't call it. So right. I just think sometimes in big games or against matchups, like, he just comes out like a bull in a in a china shop trying to, you know, impact the game, and it it doesn't work, and he gets fouls, and uh, so you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about he was, you know, really was playing like one of the best big men in the country, if not definitely the SEC, and oh, no. just a horrible performance yesterday, and then you hit everything else too. It's like you named the other rest of the roster. Khalil Whitney's giving you next to nothing every time. Um, it's you know, Maxie and Hagens, and then yesterday, Sestina. But if there's bright spots, man, it's definitely Nate's threes and just knowing he's yep. going to come back and contribute, even though him shooting eight three-pointers and shooting no free throws <laughs> is, is not what he needs to be doing. 
But Ashton Hagens, man, Hagens really is looking like one of the best point guards yeah. in the country. I think he's went for 30 points and 17 assists in the last two games, minimal turnovers, and he looks confident, especially in that first mm-hmm. half. Yeah, and that's when I mentioned the two guys who I think are NBA-bound. I mean, Hagens is – he's definitely, I think, coming back for him has clearly been the right decision. He, you know, he's scoring in double figures, getting close to 10 assists, and picking at least three steals a game. What he's done for this team is – I mean, they might not even be, what are they now, eight and three? They might not be that right now if they don't have Hagens. They might lose a couple more. So he's been awesome. He was good for the most. I thought his last four minutes last night were not great. And that's kind of been a problem with him over the course of his career is he's not a great, he hasn't been a finisher. You know, he left a lot of points on the board late against Auburn last year in the Elite Eight. He's left points on the board late in the game a couple times. So. Uh, he's not a complete player yet, but he's getting close, and he's definitely, in my opinion, at least top five point guard of the nation, and definitely the best on de- on ball de- point guard defender in the in the nation by miles and miles. Yeah, it's like we need to tell Hagen that he's always playing in the CBS Sports Classic because you know had his breakout game right. last year against North Carolina with eight steals, and dude, those pick picking um, the point guards and stuff for Ohio State was amazing, man. That was huge in the first yeah. half where he was single-handedly turning defense into offense and getting Kentucky baskets that they needed. He finished at the rim with that nice and one. Um, he's distributing the ball well. So that's that to me, and again, I'm not a skies falling guy because if Kentucky didn't lose to Utah, which is a bad loss, there's no way to put it. But let's put that in perspective too. That was an 11 p.m. Eastern tip for Kentucky, and they really did start roaring about the last eight, seven-ish minutes of that game. So – Disappointing, nonetheless, though, it was a bad performance. They, you know, were lackluster for too long, lose the game to Utah. But yesterday's game, man, it had a tournament feel to it. And Ohio State was the better team on the floor, but it was close. And I think it's just easy to to knock this team and where they're at right now. But we will learn a lot Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be huge, to say the least, against Louisville and even I think they just need to I don't I mean a win would obviously turn this thing around in my opinion and really get them going but if they can play like they did against Ohio State maybe a little better um at least make it a really close game competitive game um I think that'll look fine on the resume whereas if they get blown out uh in the way the SEC is shaping up you know they're in a I wouldn't say that <laughs> people are saying oh this is an NIT team I mean Come on now. I mean, look at where the SEC is at. And people also don't remember that with the way the SEC is right now, especially with an, an unfortunate circumstance with Tennessee losing their best player for the season. Um, was it Lamonte Turner who went down? Um, so yeah, they're that was sad, t- tough to hear. And obviously you don't root for that, but the, it just means you get an automatic bid if you win the conference tournament. And can, I mean, looking at the SEC, as bad as Kentucky's been, who who scares you? I know Auburn's undefeated, but yesterday they were only up 27-20 on the Lehigh out at halftime. And if you look at their wins other than Dayton, oh no, that's Davidson. They haven't beaten anybody ranked, and they are only Power 5 win was against an NC State team who currently is just uh, 9-3, and three, and they haven't, they're they haven't had a big win yet either. All their wins are against uh, non-Power 5. So there's really no one in the SEC that scares you. And that's why I think if you put together a pretty good performance against Louisville, especially if you get a win, and then 
you should be able to manage in the SEC. I really think this Kentucky team on paper compared to the SEC is good enough to only drop three or four conference games. So we'll see. I I, I don't think anyone needs to be panicking about their uh, tournament hopes. Though. Yeah, the BBM was especially irrational today and last <laughs> night. I mean, I, I just do not think that now's the time to be talking about Kentucky missing the tournament. I agree that, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, Saturday's about their last good resume win to get other than Auburn, unless the SEC really steps up. I know yeah, that um, – or, or Michigan State could turn into a good win. Virginia. Right, and Michigan State could still turn into a really good win if Michigan yeah, State good plays point. So, anyway, I mean, I get it from that standpoint, but that's crazy. Also, you know, the other edge of the sword being that the – you know, our, our point to this whole thing is the fact that the SEC is down. So, you would think Kentucky's going to be able to rack up, you know, enough wins – obviously make the NCAA tournament, but Saturday's important, man. So oh, Louisville's yeah. coming down, Kentucky's biggest rival, you know, top five team in every poll. I think they're third pretty much. So what do you think is going to happen there? And I think, do you think Kentucky's just going to fold against a tough team like Louisville? Do you expect it to no. be close? And, you know, what? how do you think they're going to come out Saturday? I mean, I think they're going to come out similarly to they have the two other games they played big opponents, and that's they came out strong. I know they didn't. I think there was just a lack of execution against Ohio State. I think that's what it came down to, Ohio State being the team that can execute and another better basketball team right now. I think it was as simple as that. Um, and obviously against Michigan State, Kentucky came out and played their butts off and got a win. And, and then you look at the – they play a Utah team. They beat the crap out of last year, and they thought, you know, they can go in and do the same this year, and obviously they didn't. They laid an egg against Evansville, probably didn't think much of them before the game. And some of the schools they started slow against earlier this year, same thing. I mean, what, they only had a six-point lead on Mount St. Mary's at halftime. They struggled with Utah Valley. They struggled with Georgia Tech. So <laughs> they pretty much struggled at some point in time, except for a couple games against every weak opponent they've played. So I really think they come out strong against Louisville. Um, Louisville obviously has had, other than the Texas Tech game, is really dominated everyone they've played. They'll probably come in ranked number two since uh, Kansas lost to Villanova. Uh, Gonzaga will probably be the team on the hot seat at number one, which is probably going to be the safest number one of the year because of the conference they play in. But, yeah, I think Kentucky comes out playing strong. I don't know if they get a win. I know, obviously, Calipari's 8-2 and two against uh, Louisville. Kentucky's won the last two games in a row, and they did them both convincingly. But this Louisville team is much different than the ones – um, from the last two years, and I think Chris Mack is, I mean, could they have gotten a better hire after all the crap that Rick Pitino put that program through at the end? I mean, I think unbelievable hire, unbelievable coach. So it's going to be really tough. If I had to pick a winner right now, I'd go Louisville, but I don't think it'll be a blowout or any sort. I, I expect Kentucky to come out and play a really good game. Yeah, I think Ken Palm has it right now, like 69-68 Louisville. So the yeah. rivalry aspect will definitely come into play. Really lucky for Kentucky that – I think that two things. One, that it's kind of after the holidays. I think that this is what this team needs is a little bit of mm -hmm. soul searching, maybe break after that trip out west is to kind of regroup. And then secondly, it's on their home floor. So that's really lucky for yes. them. Those two things will be important. But the thing for me right now is, man, the Louisville strength is definitely their front court. Obviously, exactly. Kentucky. So it's a matter of do you trust Kentucky's advantage in the back court more than you trust their disadvantage in the front court. And Man, a week or so ago, I was, you know, on Kentucky side, but now it's like just a, 
poor, poor play you're getting from the front court. It's just hard to imagine they're going to step up against Enoch and Sutton, man. Sutton's a baller. Like, he's strong yep. in the paint. He's, he's consistent. You absolutely know what you're getting from him. So those big guys are going to have to do something or it's going to be a long afternoon. I don't know who they have right now either who can stop Jordan Norwell. I mean, that kid's been right. as good as he, he might be up for the Wooden Award. 21 a game, that man. Game. That's impressive in college when you're at 21 points per game. You know, exactly. I think they played like 15 games or 12 games. Like, that's impressive. 21 point, 21.2 points per game, seven and a half boards. I mean, he's shooting 48.1% from the field. I mean, I don't know who, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who stops him on UK's defense. That, that's the guy I'd be most terrified of. But like you said, they have other guys, um, especially in the front court. And we saw firsthand uh, on Saturday what happens when Kentucky has to play a team with a strong front court. Uh, so far, not so good. I mean, even the Evans, even the Evansville game, they had that kid, Riley Reed, was it? Who I think he was a six eight forward, and he bullied Richards that game and scored eighteen points. And that's a big reason why you know they lost that game. So. It is a tough matchup. It really is. Yeah, and that, all that being said, Aaron, I'm I'm close. I'm talking myself into picking Kentucky because the rivalry aspect always plays a role in this. I think that a big point you just kind of touched on a minute ago was like Kentucky has shown up for these big games. Obviously, Michigan yeah. State and Madison Square Garden, they showed up for. Um, I, I will kind of give them a pass on the one that was in Vegas and stuff, but that Utah game wasn't a primetime game. You know, they came in at, on CBS uh, yesterday. And, th- again, that game had a tournament feel to it. They were, you know, potentially that missed travel call away from, you know, having a chance to really, really at least maybe force overtime or something like that. So they've shown up for the big games. They know this is the biggest of the big ones. Um, the way Ashton Hagens is playing, he should really dominate at his spot. Maybe Maxie will go off. So, I definitely see a path where Kentucky can win the game. And like I said, I'm I'm talking myself into picking it. Yeah, I totally get it. And I, I really do think UK is going to come out strong. I don't think they're going to come out and lay an egg. But it's just based on what I – they got to prove me wrong. It's really that simple. I mean, what they've done against big guys like the kid – I mean, the kid from Ohio State, even the Evansville kid, uh, they've been bullied down low. And Louisville's just got – a lot of talent in that front court, and it's just it's a tough ma- it's just a tough matchup on paper. Um, yeah, even their center Stephen uh, is it Encock? I can't pronounce that name. Enoch. Enoch. Yeah, yeah. He's got eleven point one points per game, seven point three boards. He's a six ten uh, center, so and he's a senior, so plenty of experience there. It, it's just it's a brutal matchup on paper, but like you said, this rivalry game. Uh, games that rough, obviously. Um, those are both going to go in UK's favor, and hopefully, the time off of the holidays. They usually this is kind of when they come back strong. Is after the holidays, spend a few days with the family, and then the camp cow starts up. So it, it's a good timing for it, I think. I mean, if they were having to play Louisville out in Vegas, or even come back from Vegas without a break and play them a few days later, uh, probably kind of a no-brainer to pick um, Louisville, but. As it stands right now, I think um, they definitely have a shot. Yeah, and the, the thing right now, I guess, is shooting. That's all that everyone's talking about is Kentucky's inability to make shots from outside. They're like third from last or some shit like that in all of Division One for three-point shooting. I've seen the stats where no team that's ever shot that for has made the tournament in like nine years. So 
questions really around outside shooting. I like that it's at Rupp Arena, so they'll have a little more familiarity with the court. But the poll this week on the Cats by 90 podcast, um, follow us on Twitter at Cats by 90, was how many three-pointers do you think Kentucky will need to hit to beat Louisville on Saturday? Um, so we had 14% of the people pick 0 to 5%. Um, the big winner um, was 5 for 10. They got 64% of the vote. And then 10 to 15 and 15 plus all got 11%. Um, I think you're crazy. I don't, if they hit 15 plus threes, they better win by 20 points. Um, but I'm probably, I guess, there too. They're going to have to hit probably at least five, five to seven threes, I think, to beat them. I think they can do that. I really hope the shooting thing's just a low, but. We'll have to wait out and see, and I think it'll be close. But I'm, at this point, I'm leaning towards I, I think Kentucky can get it done, um, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely have the talent. They definitely have a chance to at home. And, you know, Louisville's played pretty dominant, but they did have a slip-up on the road against Texas Tech. I, guess, oh, I was a neutral site, but still uh, going on the road. And obviously Calipari's uh, pretty much owned Louisville since he's come here, so there's that too, but. We'll see. Tough matchup on paper, no doubt. Well, let's move on from that. We're going to talk about I'm excited for our trip, man. Um, But before we get into the belt ball, let's take a quick commercial break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, and we are back. Cats by 90 podcast. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can follow me, Drew Brown, at BigBlueDrew33, and Aaron Gershon, at AGershon99. All right, Aaron, let's move to some stuff I'm hype about. So um, I pretty much got all my details for my trip worked out to Charlotte. Um, You got all your stuff said. I know you're looking forward to it. We're like um, under a week now. I guess I'll be leaving next Sunday. Yeah, I'll be there leaving next Monday. Definitely really excited about it. Um, Haven't seen the UK play in person since the UT Martin game because I was sick for the Louisville game. So looking forward to that. Lynn one more time in Kentucky Blue. Um, Virginia Tech's a pretty good team, but I think I'm not going to get too much into it. But, I I mean, looking at uh, some of their games, they've just been really inconsistent, a lot more inconsistent than uh, the Virginia Tech you think of. Um, Obviously, 27 straight bowl games and, you know, all the history there at Tech. But uh, UK definitely has a really good shot to win this game. And, send Lynn Bowden out and on a good note and uh, finish the season with eight wins despite all the crap and injuries that they've gone through this year. Yeah, I've done like zero. I could not tell you one thing about um, Virginia <laughs> Tech football other than I, is it their defensive coordinator, right, that's like going out yes. at his last game. And he's from – and he's, and he's from – yes, and I know he's from Kentucky. I want to say he's – um, I want to say he went to Murray State. I'd have to double-check that, but – yeah, it is their defensive coordinator has been the defensive coordinator there, which you don't say very often, um, for 27 years, I think, during all this whole bull run. So crazy. that, And I'm sure he's gotten head coaching jobs and all that, but he stayed there to be the defensive coordinator for so long. Bud Foster, that's his name. So that's a yeah, pretty Foster. interesting storyline. It'll be 
you know, a Kentucky great going up against a Tech great in both their last games at their respective programs. And he's from Somerset and did go to Murray State. So there is a Kentucky connection there as well. Yeah, I've been hearing again a lot about that's all basically looked into at this point. Just so much going on with the holidays and basketball being so ramped up covering the city of Palms in Florida. So I guess this week it'll give me a little bit of a chance. I'm looking at Louisville and all that stuff. And then I'm driving to Charlotte with the fam. So I'll probably have a little bit of time to kind of preview that and look at the matchup a little bit. But I know this and it's a long way away still. We're still talking about what, nine, nine days or so. But the first forecast I saw for Tuesday in Charlotte, it's calling for rain. Yeah. Oh, that I think we can get as much as we don't want it. Like it's almost a guarantee. It's going to rain. What, it, what would uh, 2019 Kentucky football be without rain? I mean, really. And you yeah. know what? Uh, I, I know it sucks as for, I think you're doing photo, right? Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to be yeah. on the field. So, uh. Yeah. So that aspects things, but uh, looking at UK, they've done, you know, they've done pretty damn well in these rain games. The Georgia game, I know they didn't win, but uh, that's a pretty special Georgia team down there. And you know what? They had them scoreless at halftime, held them to 21. They just couldn't get offense going. So other than that, I mean, they absolutely throttled Missouri. They throttled, obviously, UT Martin. They throttled Louisville in the rain. So uh, the week, was it the week before Georgia? No, it was the week after Georgia, Missouri. So they've done pretty, pretty well in it. So at least there's that. Especially, and that that's because of the trenches. They the, Their trench plays are just ridiculous, especially the offensive line. And um, it that's the big advantage they have in weather like that is they block really well in the offense and the defensive end. Um, they can get to the quarterback. They can stop the run. So uh, that would definitely play into their advantage if it does rain. So at least there's that positive. Yeah, they could have went to like the New Mexico Bowl or something, and it was probably <laughs> going rain. I think it was just inevitable. So hopefully it's at least just a little bit warm and maybe like scattered yes. showers if it is going to rain instead of like Louisville, which was just, I mean, literally monsooning the entire four-hour game. Yep. So, same with Missouri. And the same with, it's just crazy. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So one thing too, Aaron, over the last since we've had the last chance to talk, this went down is like a lot of these um postseason awards are coming out. Kentucky's shown really well with Max Duffy and Lynn Bowden, I guess being named yeah. all American. So what was your kind of takeaway, man? I know you were really close to this team all year and kind of seeing some of the accolades that, you know, Kentucky players are not used to getting. It's huge. I mean, that's now so Kentucky had a combined four All-Americans, I believe, I want to say it was since 1957, um, between 1957 and 2017, and they have four in two years now. Because last year, you had Josh Allen and Bunchy Stallings. This year, you have Lynn and Max Duffy. I mean, and getting these accolades and ha- even just being on these lists and, you know, they play in the Citrus Bowl, they beat Penn State, now they have a chance to, I mean, I know the Belk Bowl's not as prestigious, I guess you could say, as the Citrus Bowl, but you're still playing a Virginia Tech team that's respected nationwide and is really a household name in college football. And if you can go beat them, I mean, <laughs> that says a lot about where this program is at. And we saw on Wednesday, it's obviously helping with recruiting. And that's the biggest thing, really, is, you know, you want this to be a long-term thing. You got to recruit and recruit well. And Mark Stoops and Vince Marr on that staff, they're doing it. I mean, they really are. And Anytime we get an All-American, anytime we can say, hey, you know, we picked up this Josh Allen kid and took a chance on him and our coaches worked with him and turned him into the seventh overall pick in the draft and possible defensive 
should be defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. Uh, that's going to play into your favor. Obviously, what they did with Lynn and turning around his attitude and, you know, making him into just succeed at receiver, kick returner, quarterback, wherever the hell he was playing, they helped him succeed. So it's huge. Getting these awards is huge, and especially for the future and, you know, the stability of this program. I kind of purposely left signing day stuff off my little um, chicken scratch agenda <laughs> here. And just because, again, I think with the basketball, the emotion that's brought out this week and just so much to talk about. And I think there was some great coverage on on um, signing day, too, because, man, that was really – it's so hard to keep up with that stuff for those few days. So, yeah. obviously, Kentucky getting one of their best classes ever and just signing four-star after four-star after four-star. So, Lots of positive going on in basketball right now and ending it with a win in the belt bowl in Charlotte would just be icing on the cake. So I'm pumped, man. I'm excited to see you there, Aaron. I'm hopefully you have a, a safe trip and stuff. Yeah. And um I guess, man, maybe we can record something there or after, but I'm excited for the NFL stadium. It'll be cool to watch them play there. I'm sure the press box will be sick and all that. So yeah. it's gonna be a good time and hope hopefully a lot of Kentucky fans are there, which I'm sure they will be. Oh yeah, I'm sure they will. And you know what? There'll be a lot of, I think it'll be really fun because Virginia Tech fans are going to show up as well, and that's going to make for a really good atmosphere. I think, you know, <laughs> that we haven't talked since the whole, oh, is it going to be Jacksonville? Oh, is it going to be um, uh, Charlotte? And obviously yeah, it was going to be yeah. Indiana down there. And I think that would have been a really cool matchup. And I was, when I saw that, I, was, I wasn't I was necessarily looking forward to the date of the game, but I was looking forward to the matchup. But, you know, this one, I think you'll have more, fans um from both sides and a really i wouldn't say it's going to be a packed house i wouldn't say a full house but closer to it than it would down in jacksonville within i mean indiana football had a really good year this year eight and four obviously don't want to take anything away but they don't quite have the fan base football wise that virginia tech does they do basketball not football yeah i was a little bummed because i know if you've listened to the cats by 90 podcast before or follow my stuff at all like Hate the Hoosiers. Would have thought that would be great to have another 500-yard yeah. performance on <laughs> the or something. But nonetheless, I think there's you'll get more um, kind of clout beating a team like Virginia Tech in the Belk Bowl. I think exactly. it's pretty easy. It's like a seven-hour, seven-hour and 30-minute drive for me from Louisville. So I'm pumped, Aaron. I can't wait to see you. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll link up a little bit. Before. Well, we will. For, um, no, we won't, actually, because you're out of town. I won't see you at the game Saturday. Um, but we'll recap, man. That's great. I'm looking forward to uh to our trip to Charlotte. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, and hopefully it'll be a winning one. Sounds good. We will catch everybody next time on the Cats by 90 podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, It's always Cats by 90.